D37. Having made our home in three different countries gives quite a different perspective on global sporting events. Multiple storylines that connect with different people and shared experiences. Sometimes this creates conflict around who you actually want to win when your loyalties are in opposition to each other, but generally it deepens your appreciation of the event. We are privileged to have lived in three great countries, which have all done well in these strangest of games. Canada, New Zealand and the UK have all exceeded expectations. Favourite moments from my home countries in Tokyo include Nick Willis waving to his family on the 1500 metre start line and then running a three-year best to prove he was still competitive at that level. His fellow Wolverine Maggie McNeil winning gold in the 100 metre fly with quizzical humility for Canada. Valerie and Lydia's bronze medals won with grace, enthusiasm and generosity of spirit. Andrew de Grasse fulfilling his dream of emulating his wife to a global title. Eddie McKenna's delight at Zoe Clark qualifying two teams to 400 metre relay finals with grit and drive. Johnny Brownlee completing his set of Olympic medals. Emma Twigg and Lisa Carrington showing great determination and class on the water. Damien Warner passing 9,000 points with some exceptional events. Christine Sinclair, age 38, giving the ball to Jesse Fleming, age 23, to take the crucial penalty in the women's football semi-final. Notable mentions, Laura Muir and Josh Kerr in the 15, Tom Daly in the diving, Sky Brown in the skate park, the Golden Kennys on bikes and Dane Lett, Jacob Smith and others fulfilling lifelong ambitions with the Black Sticks. Today I'm thankful for what sport has added to my life in excitement, insight and friendship. I'm also grateful for the reminder of the wider perspective on home that we enjoy and for the reality of a higher citizenship that transcends national borders and we share with brothers and sisters in every land. There's a great Scottish expression, dinny fash yourself, which means don't get frustrated by a situation or annoyed with someone. It's way too easy to get worried about things which are inconsequential. Today's psalm starts with the instruction, do not fret, and it is a refrain that is repeated twice more in the first section. Do not fret because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes, Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. 
it leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. Do not fret or be envious of those who do wrong. Do not fret when their evil schemes bring them success. Do not fret when you are angry. The key to this is having a wide-angle lens and a zoom. The wide angle gives a broader perspective. The things that concern us need to be viewed in context. People wither like the grass. Evil will be destroyed and the wicked will be no more. We do not need to worry if God is in control. He is. Or worry if he knows what he is doing. He does. The meek are going to inherit the earth not the godless, devious and wicked. Peace and prosperity are coming for those who hope in the Lord. The zoom is to focus on what is really important so that the stuff that makes us fret blurs a little. Trust in the Lord, do good, enjoy safe pasture, take delight in the Lord, commit, trust, be still, wait patiently. The central subject to all this is the Lord, and that is where our focus should be. This is the same principle that needs to be applied when worry and anxiety take root in our hearts and minds. We may, like the psalm, be worried about what is going on in the world, but we can also be concerned about our life, our looks, what we eat and drink and what we wear. We can develop anxiety about our appearance, popularity or performance. The dreaded FOMO, fear of missing out, can affect our choices and undermine thoughtful plans and decision making. We stress about money, the future, family relationships and health. We try not to be troubled by death, but sometimes it is front and centre in our experience and we worry about it big time. Again, we need to take the wider lens to look at the things that preoccupy us and see them against a wider panorama. In the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus speaks about worry. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, 
or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The message here is clear. The things that turn our heads and gnaw at our hearts should not have control over us. The lessons from the flowers and the birds is that God provides and places a high value on us. The point is clearly made that worrying about your life will not extend it by a single moment. Jesus is saying that the children of God need to approach the basics of life differently because we have a Heavenly Father whom we can trust. The zoom lens here is to seek first God's kingdom and righteousness. We are called to be present in the present, not worrying about tomorrow. Overall, I am too tolerant of worry in my life. My excuses are that everyone does it, and I've always done it. Part of my identity is entwined with plans to secure the things I want and need, and doubts about whether it will work. The stupidity of this is obvious. It diverts me from what is most important, and does not get me what is less important. Day by day, worry will distort my view of God, erode faith and put my focus in the wrong place. One of the first songs I sang at camp was Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Alleluia, alleluia. It is easier to sing this than to live it. Peter in his first letter writes, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. If he'd been writing from Scotland, he might have said, Dinny fash yourself. Do you know, Ken, that God loves you? The psalm finishes with the assurance. The salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. These two are good reasons not to fret.